there's the there's the gospel right there, I guess. <laughs> pretty song, pretty song. All right, uh, Brian, open us up with prayer, will you, buddy, please? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brian. <clears throat> Excuse me. We'll be in Luke 2 if you want to turn there today, please. Uh, the, the Christmas story, if you would. The title of the message is The Birth of Jesus, Amazing and Divine. The Birth of Jesus, Amazing and Divine. We'll be in Luke 2. I want to read from Micah 5 2, first of all, while you're looking there. And this is Micah prophesying. But as for you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Micah the prophet was prophesying the coming Messiah. And he was prophesying that the coming Messiah would be born in Bethlehem hundreds of years before it ever happened. How would that happen? How would God put that all together? How would God have His Son born in Bethlehem and get all the pieces put together at the right time that needed to be put together? How would He do that? That's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. God's amazing plan, His divine plan for bringing us His Savior of the world. In Luke 2, we will look at here verses 1, 2, 3. And the first thing we're going to see is this decree. And it says in verse 1, it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Crinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor, had issued a decree that says, you will go back now to the place of your birth. And we're going to have a census. We're going to count the people. But also, while you are there, we want you to pay your taxes. I mean, you know how that goes. Everybody must pay their fair share, of course. We all know that. His motivation, thank you. Yeah, you got it. Some of you got that one. The motivation, <laughs> his motivation was very simple. He needed to raise more money because his empire was so vast and he didn't have enough army to protect his empire. 
So in Caesar's mind, he thinks, I am going to do this. We will bring all folks together, go back to their birth home, and we will raise taxes. He had a plan. But what we will see, God also has a plan. In Proverbs 16.2, we read these words, All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the motives. God knew the motive of Caesar Augustus. Proverbs 16.9 says, The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That still applies to you and I today also. Proverbs 19.21, Many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. Caesar Augustus thought he was in control of his life. Caesar Augustus thought he was in control of his decisions and his destiny. He had it all figured out. But what he forgot to figure out was that God also had a plan. And God was going to use this decree to bring about the birth of our Savior. You see, God had planned before the foundation of the earth, before the beginning of time, that Jesus the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And that Mary and Joseph would be their parents. And then it was going to happen at exactly the right time and the right place. Nothing was going to stop that. You see, God can use evil Caesar Augustus. He can use his census. He can use his taxation, if you would. He can use the plans of the evil ones even to bring about his plan. Because, you see, God had promised many, many years ago that he would send forth his son to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. That was a promise that he made, and he was going to fulfill that promise. God is just an amazing God. You know, God controls, you need to understand this, he controls the events of the world. He controls the events of the world. And he can take the events of the world, and he can mold them and shape them into something Good, And that's exactly what he did in, in that time period. He took something bad, the decree, and he made something good out of it in order to fulfill his promise of a promised Messiah. You see, God's plan is always amazing, and it's always divine. He uses the good people of this whole world to get his plan fulfilled. He can use the evil of this world to get the plan fulfilled. But whatever his plan is, whatever he's decided to do, it will always be amazing and it'll always be divine. I want you to understand that, that God's plan is perfect. His timing is perfect. Everything about his plan was perfect. Caesar thought, I'm doing this to raise my money. And God says, no, you're not. You're doing this to bring all the people together to bring Joseph and Mary into Bethlehem. God controls the events of the world. The second thing we can see here in reading verses 4 through 6 is this great inconvenience. The great inconvenience. In verse 4 we read this. He says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Mary and Joseph had planned to give birth in Nazareth. 
That was their plan. They had decided this is where they would be. They would give birth to their child, and this is what their plan was. And all of a sudden, here comes this decree from Caesar Augustus. It says, every person will go back to where they were born to, be cens- to have a census and to be taxed. Now, just think about that. Here they had their plan. They knew what they were going to do, and all of a sudden, this plan, their plan, was disrupted. What an inconvenience, knowing that now they would have to load up, load up on donkeys, travel over 100 miles, Mary being pregnant, riding on a donkey, Joseph leading that donkey, and traveling weeks and maybe months in order to get to where they needed to get. See, they lived in Nazareth, and they were headed to Bethlehem. What an inconvenience. I just can't imagine that you're getting close to delivering a baby, and all of a sudden now your plans have been changed. This monkey wrench has been thrown into it. This, what an inconvenience. They knew exactly what they were going to do, and now, and now they got to, we got to do this. Man, what a, what a bad time. I mean, traveling and, as a pregnant woman. What an inconvenience. Their plans were altered. You know, sometimes God does that, does he not? Sometimes God doesn't give us all the answers when we want the answers. Sometimes God brings into our lives an adjustment to, to what we think we want to do. You see, God has the ability to do that. See, see Mary and Joseph thought, man, what a, what a bad deal this is. Man, we got our plan set. We've got, we know where we're going to deliver this baby. And all of a sudden, we've got to do what now? We've got to ride a donkey for over 100 miles to get there. What a tremendous, tremendous inconvenience that had to be for them. Especially not knowing, was this really God's plan for our life? That we move from here to there and make that travel? Was that really His plan? They had to deal with that. God does that to us. He brings things into our life that adjust us. And when he does, are you willing to accept those kinds of inconveniences? When you have made your plan and yet all of a sudden something comes in and and interrupts that plan, what is your feeling on that? Do we get mad? Do we stomp around? Do we spit and cuss, all that kind of stuff? Or do we try to see God's hand in that inconvenience? Because in this case, God's hand was all over it. We read in verse 6. And it says, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. See, God's hand, God's plan is amazing and God's plan is divine. You see, she wasn't ready to give birth as they traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She wasn't ready to give birth in all those cities that they stopped along the way. She didn't give birth outside of Bethlehem, five miles out. She didn't do that. Why? Because God had a plan before the foundation of the world that said, My son will be born in Bethlehem. And you read that verse and you see his perfect timing in that verse. And you see his perfect will in that verse. And you see, he's just orchestrating all of that. And while they were there, Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to give birth. She didn't give birth before she was already at Bethlehem. You don't think God's orchestrating that? 
You don't think God timed that decree just like that? You don't think he has the power to change that decree and to change what was going on? He can do that. And that's what he did. Man, what an amazing plan. God is so amazing in, in what he does. And that plan of, of bringing this baby into the world in Bethlehem, you can see God's footprints all over that. The right time at the right place. It did not just happen. When life is difficult and we don't know what to do, when an inconvenience comes into our life, what do we do as Christians? I suggest to you that we first of all trust Him and know that His plan is the best. The second thing I would say, to have faith in Him. Do not, do not let your faith waver in Him. And the third thing that I'm finding out in my own life, when, when things don't seem to fit right, God's Word says, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Trust Him. Have faith in Him. Never let that faith waver. And then just wait on the Lord, seeking Him. What a great thing that we can do when life doesn't seem to fit. And all the time understanding that God's plan for your life and for these folks' life is just nothing but amazing and nothing but divine. We read in verse 7 about the birth of our, of our Savior. In verse 7, it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. What a shockingly bad place for the Savior of the world to be born in. <laughs> okay? A smelly old stable, animals all around, and there Jesus, the Messiah, has been born. We know he was born in poverty. Joseph didn't have anything. There was no room for him in the end, but I can promise you if he had had enough money, they would have found him a spot. But he didn't have the money. Jesus was born in poverty. Jesus was also born in obscurity and loneliness. You see, there was no lights and there was no camera. There was no fanfare. There was nobody there to say, whoop, whoop, what a good deal. He was born in obscurity and loneliness. Nobody really knew. Miles and miles away from any of their extended family. He was also born in, humil in humiliation. No hospital, no clean room for him, no extended family or friends for him, no doctor's care. The only water that he, they would have had would have been what the animals had drunk. And yet that is where the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born in a smelly old stable. Surely God would have had a better plan than that, don't you think? That's my son. He ought to be born somewhere else, but he didn't. That was his plan. The king of kings was born in a smelly stable. The lord of lords was born there. The prince of peace was born there. The Messiah was born in a smelly stable. The Savior was born in a smelly old stable. The Alpha and the Omega was born in a, in a smelly old stable. The way, the truth, and the life was born in a smelly old stable. Surely, God, you would have had a better plan than that. That's your son. That's the Messiah. That's the Savior of the world. And you want him born there? And I suggest to you, God's plan is always amazing. And it's always divine. Jesus was born in humility. 
but he was raised in glory. Don't ever forget that. He sits at the right hand of the Father, even as we speak. Jesus moved from the glory of heaven to the sinful nature of mankind. Jesus went from total freedom in heaven to being totally limited on earth. He went from being loved and adored and worshipped to being hated and criticized and rejected. He went from a sinless perfection to becoming sin on our part as he paid the price on that cross. You understand how repulsive that would have been for him. But he did it anyway. He went from the eternal and came to the temporal of this old world. Why would he do that? Because God's plan is amazing. God's plan is divine. The purpose of Jesus coming on that midnight clear morning, if you would. The Bible tells us why he was willing to do that. The first one we see in John 6.38, it was to do his Father's will. You see, God and Jesus are the same. They are the same. When Mary kissed the face of Jesus, she was kissing the face of God. You need to understand that. John, John 6.38 says this, For I've come down from heaven, Jesus said, not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Everything you read in God's word, everything you read that Jesus said that's in the red, that is Jesus speaking, but that's God the Father speaking also. They're one and the same. He came to serve, Mark ten forty five, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom for many. Aren't you glad he came to serve? He came to give every one of us an abundant life, John ten ten, Where Jesus said, I've come to give you life. And a life more abundant. Aren't you glad that's a promise? Aren't you glad that is a promise from God that we as Christians can have an abundant life? You say, well, I don't have an abundant life. Jesus promised that. Will he go back on his promise? Never. Never. But the main purpose why he came, and we all know this one, to keep the lost from perishing. John three seventeen, For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but the world through Him might be saved. There is never another plan that's better than that. There's never another plan that's more amazing or more divine than the birth of His Son, Jesus Christ. The next thing we see in verse 8 through 12 is the proclamation. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Just a little footnote here. On Wednesday nights, we've been studying angels. Okay, in case you might want to know that. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel of the Lord said, Do not be afraid. Behold, I give you good news of great joy. It will be for all the people. 
For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill among men. What a proclamation. There's no greater proclamation in the history of the world than that. In verse 10, it says, I bring you good news with great joy. What is that good news? That good news is that the Savior world has been born. The long-awaited Messiah has now been born. The one that is going to give you salvation for an eternity now has been born. And if that does not give you great joy... <laughs> There's something wrong with you because that is the greatest announcement of all announcements. And who is it for? The Bible says it is for all people that this Savior has been born. What an amazing announcement. What an amazing proclamation that the world has now seen that God himself is now going to walk on this earth. He will put footprints on this earth. That's an amazing Amazing thought. But why did the, why the shepherds? Why did they pick the shepherds to, to uh, tell? The shepherds weren't anybody. The shepherds were the lowest class of the lowest class in society. The good people, the religious people looked down on them. The religious people would say they are ceremonially unclean. Because they would not come to the Sabbath and worship. The other people would say they're physically unclean because they wouldn't take a bath. They really had no thought of, of God and religion. They were considered many times the outcasts in society, those that were hopeless and down and out. And yet for some reason God dispatched an angel to these shepherds. And said, here is some good news with great joy. That's for all the people. That the Savior of the world has been born. These down and out people, these workers, were the first to know that the Messiah had been born. They weren't seeking after God. They weren't pursuing God. They weren't religious people. But God chose them. I think because of the status in society in order to first tell the good news of the Savior. When they heard the good news, something happened to them. Did you know that? When they heard the good news that the Messiah had been born, there was something that happened within them. They said, you know, let's go find out. Let's go see for ourselves what, what this angel has just told us. Let's go see this thing that, that has happened. They weren't God-fearing, but yet when they heard the gospel, they heard the, the Messiah had been born, they go, man, let's go, let's go find out more about this. And the Bible tells us, uh, somewhere in seven, verse 17, verse 18, somewhere in there, that they went to Mary. And they told Mary, said, Mary, this is, this is all that we've heard about, about this little baby here. That he is the Christ child. He is the Messiah. He is, he is the Savior of the world. And the Bible says Mary pondered all this, put, her, put these thoughts into her mind. 
and she just kept it. But the really cool thing about that is in verse 20. Because this is what the gospel will do for every person that hears the gospel. No matter how down and out you are, no matter how big a sinner you are, no matter how bad you have been, no matter how good you have been. When the shepherds heard the gospel of the good news and they went to Mary and then in verse 20 it says the shepherds went back to where they came from glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told to them. They went from some of the biggest sinners in society to, ch- to praising and worshiping the Savior. How does that happen? What, what causes that? What, what was that one thing that said, man, I, I'm, I am an awful person, but now I can praise God because of it. They had heard the, the gospel. They had come face to face with the baby Jesus. They had seen the Messiah the Christ child, and something happened to them. And what that something was, they now had a change of heart. They now had something going on in their heart that that said, this is special. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus can do that to every person in this room. When you come face to face with him, when you hear the gospel of his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, and you accept that, like these shepherds accepted that, you go away a changed person. You go away with a new heart. You go away with a new eternity and a new destiny. All because you have come face to face with the Savior. You know, almost to me, that is almost a part of that story that never really gets told about those shepherds. And the change that took place in those shepherds. Would you say God's plan is amazing? I'd say so. Was God's plan divine? Yeah, I'd say so. You see, Caesar thought his decree was for him. It wasn't for him. It was for the people to come and gather in their hometown in Bethlehem. So that God's plan could be put forth into action. God controls world events. God is going to make something good out of the world events. And if God has promised something in his word, he's going to do it no matter what. You can't stop it. I can't stop it. It's just going to happen. When an inconvenience comes into your life, when you have a change of plans if you would, if, if there is, you're heading in a direction and all of a sudden something happens and you have to go off and veer off in another direction of life, whatever that might be, and I'm thinking in my own life how many times that's happened to me that I think I've got it figured out and yet God had a different path to take. And do we take the time to see God's hand when he directs us in a different direction? Do we understand that God has a plan for your life and for my life? And it is the best plan. It is the 
best plan that could ever happen in your life is what God wants for you. So when that inconvenience happens, when something goes on in your life that doesn't seem to fit, I can promise you God, God is in control and God has a plan for you because His plan is, is amazing. And as we look at the birth of His Son, the Savior of the world. And it just, it just dawned on me there how... how how we just kind of get used to that statement. We get used to the fact, and I've said it a hundred times already, he's the savior of the world. And, and I've seen almost zero reaction. And I'm not getting on to you, I'm really not. But we've got so conditioned to hearing that. Hey, he's, a, he's the savior of the world, yeah. He's the Messiah, yeah. He's God's son, yeah. Okay, what's for lunch? Okay? And we're conditioned to just to accept it. And as I was just standing here, I'm thinking, why do we just accept it? <laughs> he is the, the Savior of the world. Without Him, you are hopeless for eternity. You understand that? Without the birth of His Son, the Savior of the world, you will die in your sins and be separated forever and forever from Him. He is the Savior of the world. He is the only Savior of the world. He will only be the Savior of the world. There will never be a second opportunity, a second chance, a second Messiah that God sends to us. That will never happen. The Savior of the world was born on that day. Because God ordained that day. He arranged that day. And we get to read about it today. About the Savior of the world. The one who died for you and me to save us. I just, I just pray that, that, that this season and, and all the rest of the time, man. It just doesn't become just happenstance to us. Then we think about Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the Savior. I hope we get to the point where that means something to us. And I know it does. I get that. But it's got to be more than just, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. He is the Savior of the world. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes, please, as we begin the invitation time. As Judy plays. What a great time of the year it is. As we focus our hearts and minds on the birth of Jesus. Father, my prayer is for everyone in this room. This will be a special time. As we think about baby Jesus. But as we think about baby Jesus, we also need to remember 33 years later about the Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. We can't have one without the other. I pray that when we look at and read and hear and study that the Savior of the world has come. That that changes us from the inside out. That is something special to us.
because without him we are hopeless as the piano plays I'm going to ask you to do business with God I don't know how he's spoken to you today I have no idea if he's not special to you find out why as you pray